0: So if you have found with me the 16th chapter of Acts, let's uh, take a moment and bow our heads in prayer and ask God's blessing on what we are about to receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray for these folks who have chosen as an act of their will to place themselves under the preaching of the Word of God for a second time today. Some of them even for a third time today if they were in Sunday school. Lord, the Bible says you're a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. And I pray that you will openly reward them, not with the lesser gifts, but with the greater. Even as Solomon, when he was asked what he would receive, he chose the greater wisdom and understanding in order to be able to perform that which he was, uh, had the opportunity to do on your behalf. May these folks be so blessed with the greater gifts, and may we truly please you, for it is our desire it is our reasonable service in Christ Jesus as the people of God. Amen and amen. I want to take uh, some moments here and uh, be able to go through the Bible here, Acts chapter 16. Now, we understand that the book of Acts is a transitional book. It brings us from the time when Christ Jesus walked upon the earth and we have four Gospels, four honest and reputable reporters who described what happened as Jesus Christ walked upon the earth, and we're blessed by those things. And then it leads us as a bridge into the epistles. The epistles are primary truth for us in our day and age. It speaks to us in the age that we're currently in, in the church age. Acts is a bridge that gets us from the one point to the other. Uh, One of the major differences between a charismatic, Pentecostal, apostolic church is which sections of the Bible they spend their time on. I find that those weaker churches almost exclusively spend their time in the book of Acts. And they don't seem to get to the epistles, wherein we we can look back and see some of the history, particularly as how the church age begins, but then we spend our time in the epistles, which are addressed to individual churches and preserved for the benefit of ourselves as a church as well. And so how you look at the book of Acts is a very critical thing. We are looking at it today in the sense of seeing some history, seeing how this age that we're currently in began, and particularly some of the things that were going on and how this uh, church time began, how churches began, how the circumstances in in which they started, and that gives us uh, some some thoughts in relation to uh, things that we would even consider today. I want to preach this message which is entitled, Why the Continent of Africa is an Ideal Missions Opportunity Right Now. There are a lot of things happening in the continent of Africa at this moment that are very ideal, much like some of the ideal conditions that happened at the beginning of the church age. And I want you to be able to see some of those things, and uh, perhaps uh, if the Lord would uh, have His will in your life and and He would even call some to be able to go and lay their hands upon these opportunities that uh, we could uh, be found as uh, a faithful followers of Christ Jesus to take advantage of the things that uh, He has allowed those perfect times and seasons that many might be saved and learn to grow and walk in the things of the Lord. We know from the Bible that the new way of God to reveal Himself to man, which is called the church, began with great success. Acts chapter 16, verse 5. Notice, the Bible says, So were churches established in the faith, they increased in number daily. Now we see that and say, Whoa, we're we're not used to church growth like that. This was an incredible time of great success as the church began. And as I look throughout the rest of the book of Acts, I see some of the ideal conditions that led to the explosive growth of the church in that period of time, and I see some of those things even in today. I see some of these very elements in the missions field of Africa right now. One of the things I see is that people ask the right questions. People ask the right questions. Notice Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 9. Here a vision appeared to Paul in the night, And in his vision, there stood a man that he identified as being Greek. He was Macedonian. And this man prayed him. He had a request. He may have even asked it in the form of a question, such as, will you? And the the gem, the, the point of what he was driving at, as Paul saw that, was the thought of coming over into Macedonia and helping us. Maybe the Macedonian said to Paul, will you come into my country and help us? Verse 10 tells us, after he, Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we, he was on a missions team, Paul and Silas, endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I find it interesting that the Macedonian man in verse 9 did not specify the kind of help that his people wanted. It's not told us exactly what he asked. He didn't necessarily say, you know, come and give us the gospel. He just said, come and help us. But the best kind of help that you can give a person is the gospel. You can be sure that God's finger is in every person's life. Now, on most people, where is the finger of God? For most people, the finger of God is on salvation. The finger of God will not move from a person's life off of the issue of salvation until they trust in Christ as the Savior. They may have all kinds of other problems. They may have drunkennesses, you know, they they may have all of the, uh, these kinds of personal sins that damage them. Uh, they, They may do things wherein they're their own worst enemy. But the finger of God will first be on the issue of their sin and their relationship with God Himself. It'll be on salvation. And so as I work with people and I see the problems that they have, I always want to bring things first to the point of whether their sins have been forgiven and that they have eternal life. Sometimes when I'm so winning, I'll have a person will say to me, Preacher, preacher, uh, does the Bible say anything about abortion? I really don't want to spend time dealing with that. Matter of fact, to tell you the truth, until you're saved, it's going to be difficult for you to understand the truth of the Word of God. And so I will say to them, you know, that's a great question. I can address that for you. But first, we need to deal with some more basic things. And the basic, I'm not going to get off the track here. I'm not going to follow that rabbit trail. We first must look at the beginning issues, the issues of salvation, a relationship with Christ, having your sins forgiven. And then we would have the basis to go on to these meatier kinds of things. I find that Paul likewise discerned that what the Macedonians most needed out of all the helps that they could get, was the gospel. And he responded in such, I try to very carefully discern what people are looking for, and I most see that opportunity when they ask me the right kind of questions, and especially when it aligns up where I know the finger of God is, Ah, I know I have an open door that is set before me that no man can close. I do have some who would like to come to me as the missionary and they would like me to help them by giving them money so they can go and buy beer and get drunk. I'm not really interested in that, to tell you the truth. Uh, Now, I very much have talked to some individuals and, and I have said to them, which would be worse, for you to live as a rich man all your life and go to hell or for you to live as a poor man and die and go to heaven? You know, I find even unsafe folks know the answer to that question. But some, they know it, but nevertheless, they're double-minded. I find that when people ask the right kind of questions, I get to see a little window into their heart. I take CDs, you saw them in the video, are people, they sacrifice in offerings, some of which are used to bless themselves with. That's the buying of the building. Some of their offerings are given and they receive no direct benefit from them. They're meant completely to bless someone else. And I'll tell you what, you ever get in the dumper? If you ever get in the dumper, don't don't take the Prozac and all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, 99% of that is really, I believe, misdiagnosed. If you're in the dumper, try this first go and minister to someone else. And if you can do it in a secret manner where they can't find out or figure out who you are, even better. And find out if that doesn't change your mental attitude. Find out if that doesn't give you the joy of the Lord. I don't know if you folks know about this, but uh, I know some of the old timers. I I learned this from them. They used to have a lot of fun. They would find someone who was in some need, uh, maybe Economics were tough and they'd go and buy a couple bags of groceries and they'd go and they'd stick it on these people's doorstep and they'd ring the bell and they'd run away and they'd hide in the bushes and watch what would happen. No one would ever know what they'd done, but wow, the secret things. I I hope we haven't forgotten how to do those kinds of things. We take the CDs which are purchased by our people so that their fernit mahala, they are literally free to anyone who will receive them. Now, Africans, uh, uh, they're not used to getting something for free. Churches, if they were going to give something like this, they would charge them about seven American dollars, the equivalent thereof. So I've got to convince them, no, no, these are like free, free. <laughs> and so I have to repeat that, and saying it in their language, they, they get these are free. They certainly are. And sometimes they say nothing's free. Well, there are a few things, you know, but, uh, I will go and take some of these into the marketplace and I will describe, I'll, I'll say here are five or six, tell me a little something about yourself. And I can tell you which one will probably, uh, be one that'll really bless you. Are you married? Do you have children? Uh, all of the, you know, I can tell you which one would probably be best suited for you. And I'm describing this, and I see people in my peripheral vision come over and they start to kind of listen into what I'm saying. And then they say a question to me that gives me a vision into their heart. Can I have one too? <sighs> Whoa. Uh, Sure, let me explain to you what I just said to this individual. We let you have one, and then you can come to church and you can pick out some other ones. And so I explained it, and by the time I get done explaining it to this, some other person has come over, or a couple people have come over, and they want one too. I have literally, in some workplaces, seen some workers kind of quickly get together, and they'll say, you take this one, and I'm going to take this one, and, and and I'll take that one, and when we're done, we'll switch with each other. Can you believe it? Sermon CDs. You think I could go down here to Spooner and... Free sermon CDs! And oh, tell you, it's an amazing thing. The folks who I begin to witness to them, and especially as the video says if they're of color because this was the land of apartheid, they start to really like what they've heard, but they're wondering, can I come to your church? And they ask you that question. Of course, because we're not the respecter of persons, we'd love to have you come. I understand when the marketplace has racism and prejudices and all of that, and I understand when you run into that from time to time, but if there's any place where it shouldn't be that way, shouldn't it be in God's house? And we have an ever-growing testimony because we have the most diverse work I know of there in Johannesburg, South Africa. As we described, in a culture where you do not go more than 10 or 15 minutes to church and you got folks coming round-trip two hours... That says more than you could probably imagine. And it says it to me when they ask the right questions. Africa today has many people who want the right kind of help. And because of that, it is an open-door opportunity that is special. Maybe it's because Africa has eight of the world's ten poorest countries in the world. Maybe there's so much at the bottom of the barrel, um, they're not like us. Christ, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, also said, hey, Christians, pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Twice is emphasized the word day. Now, how many of us here in America pray that way? We don't pray that way because we say, Lord, I already got enough food. I mean, I already got all this daily bread here. And even if I didn't, I could always go down to Walmart or Target. And even if I didn't have any money, I could always get it on credit. See, we it's very tempting to us in the land of plenty to become self-reliant. I think that's why the rich aren't too concerned with God, because they just depend upon themselves. But in some of the deep poverty nations, you recognize just how needy you are. And I think it causes them to perhaps see in a little clearer vision not just their physical needs, but their spiritual needs and to ask the right kind of questions. Maybe it's because so much of Africa has very high crime rates and very low life expectancies. And so our people many times think a little more of eternity than people who have too many luxuries in life to instead live for. I remember a man and his daughter who came to the church and he went through a house invasion. And I probably shouldn't tell you everything that happened. I'll tell you one of the things. They'll cut the skin off the bottom of your feet. Oh, just for fun. Now that man didn't really want anything to do with God until he went through something like that. And there are those who will come, and because of the crime problem, they will say, I really didn't care about the things of God, but now I can't even sleep at night. And they come to the place where they think they can get some hope and some relief, and we find them in our services, and they ask the right questions. Why is Africa an ideal missions opportunity today? Because we have so many asking the right questions, just like we find here in the book of Acts. Another reason is because the people have the wrong kind of teachers. Notice verse 14. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, She attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. One reason we have great opportunity is because many of our people have the wrong kind of teachers. Now you might say, oh, that sounds odd. (laughs) Uh, They have the wrong teachers. Why is that such a great opportunity? It's a great opportunity because people will go to the wrong teachers and it will show that they want to be taught, They just can't find a good source. And it's an opportunity for those who will be the right teachers. They're already showing a spirit of wanting to receive. They just have a shortage of right teachers. Lydia, the seller of purple, worshipped God. She had some basic understandings. But somehow, Lydia, who had a basic teacher who helped her with this simple right action, didn't understand the many important things which she also needed to know. That is, until Paul came along. And once the right kind of teacher came along, she quickly received the other things that were lacking in her life. Verse 14 says, Lydia heard us. Once the right teacher was there, everything came together. The Lord opened her heart and she attended onto the things which were spoken of Paul. He was the right kind of teacher. It was a tremendous opportunity because there was a heart of wanting to receive just not enough right teachers. And oh, if only some right teachers would go, wow, what a reaping of a harvest. Verse 15 says she was baptized. She obviously understood not these things, until the right teacher came along. What a great opportunity would have missed if Lydia had only ever had a basic teacher. If the right teacher Paul hadn't come along. Africa is full of the wrong kind of teachers. And it's not that people do not want to know the truth. It's just they have so many wrong teachers. And I very much in the marketplaces help them with Simple little stories and illustrations such as I shared there in the morning service that help them to understand I'm in the wrong place and I need to be with a right teacher. One of our uh, persons who made a profession, he is from a northern tribe, Venda, Johannes, and I was helping him after he trusted in Christ. We went through a Bible study on prayer, a simple discipleship. There were a bunch of verses on ask, seek, knock, boldness in asking. There were a number of uh, verses that dealt with prayer on your motive. Ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Johannes who'd had the wrong kind of teachers up until that point in time, said, I know all these verses, ask, seek, and knock, because I've seen them in the charismatic churches I've been in. They've encouraged us to very boldly ask all kinds of things of God, BMWs, piles of cash, so on and so forth. He said, I've never seen these verses on motive. He was stunned that these verses were in the Bible. You see, he'd been with the wrong kind of teacher. And even some Bible truths presented in isolation. I appreciate the way your pastor talks about context and how one part of the Bible helps you to understand another. Spot on. Isolated scriptures cause Johannes to be in a very wrong place as it concerned prayer. The right type of teacher comes along, he sees the hole, it clicks. Why is Africa an ideal missions opportunity right now? Because so many are asking the right kind of questions and because we're filled with the wrong kind of teachers, we really have a great opportunity and need to have the right kind of teachers who can then set things straight. And then finally reason why we have such great opportunity is because there are many who want to receive and only some who want to reject. Acts 16, 15, when she was baptized, her whole household, uh, she besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. She constraineth us. You see, once she had received some basic right things, this wasn't a You know, I appreciate it, but, uh, you know, just a little blessing. No! She really was serious about wanting to receive more. And we could go on. We don't have the time, but we could go on uh, there beginning at verse 16. We could find other things that were happening then. We could find Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. Some did reject But even then, there were prisoners and the guards who, who, they all received. There were many throughout these passages who received, only some of whom rejected. The degree to which people receive the truth greatly tells us which places are exceptional opportunities for missions. If a place erupts in great receiving, we call that a revival. And if there was a place where there was a great eruption of receiving, we would recognize that's an exceptional opportunity. In the place that we are, we are in many ways a little drop in the bucket in terms of our numbers. But in terms of what we see and the numbers who receive and ask right questions and have a seriousness about what it is they are receiving we see it as an exceptional opportunity. We talked about Tienz, Sandra, Mari, things like that. I shared with you Sikolele and Sipokaisi. And though their culture is very different than the biblical one, when they saw these things, the links they went to to receive them, memorizing the Bible, uh, wanting to quote that in front of the other church members, A great opportunity is present whenever many receive while only some reject. I think America is presently darkened because many reject while only some are receiving. In Africa, we begin basic one-on-one discipleship right after we have a salvation profession. And I'll have to confess to you today, we actually had a period of time just before we came back about a year ago We had so many discipleships. I personally had eight, and we had others doing them as well, that it was getting hard to do much more evangelism. We were so loaded up with discipleship from the number of new converts that we had, we didn't have much time left to try to sow any new seed. It's a good problem, I suppose. It sure indicates you must be in a time and a place where things are of a great open-door opportunity. Why is Africa an ideal missions opportunity right now? I believe just like some of the conditions that I'm able to see in Acts chapter 16, I see that there, many of our people are asking the right kind of questions. We are inundated with the wrong kind of teachers, and so there's an increased need uh, for some to make a difference, the right kind of teachers. And we have many who will receive, and only some at this point who reject. So why don't many go? I'm going to be honest. I don't think many go, not because there aren't great opportunities. I think today many don't want to go because there's also a lot of costs. Some of which, if you'll read through Acts chapter 16, you'll see what some of those costs are. I think that's why many don't wanna go. I actually had a high school that I was in once, and I encouraged the young folks to consider what God might want them to do with their lives. And here in the U.S., some of their parents really got mad at me. They didn't want their kids to go to the missions field. They wanted their kids to go in the medical fields, to become doctors, lawyers, whatever, good-paying jobs. It was not a very happy day to be a missionary that day, not in that school, not with those Christian parents. Opportunity, I think they were blind to it. Costs, they were too aware of it. And it blinded them to the things that could have been Oh, I am so thankful for individuals like Paul and Silas who in those opportune moments had great vision and ignoring the cost, laid their hands on the things that are eternal, opportunities that are real, things that cannot be taken away as God uses you in the very real opportunities of then, in the things I personally believe are available even right now in our day and age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that because we haven't been called home to glory, this inherently tells us there's still a purpose for us to be here. If you had no more purpose for us to be here, we'd already be home in glory with you. But we're here, which tells us there must be opportunity. There are some places where the opportunities, mm, eh, there's a lot of weeds, a lot of hard ground, a lot of hotness of sun, and maybe there's 30 fruit there. But the Bible also indicates there's some places where there's 60-fold and 90-fold. Lord, I pray that we not focus so much on the costs Because we recognize if truly you call us to something, you'll give us the grace to deal with the difficulties. But Lord, let us truly understand what are pearls of great price, what things are worth selling everything you have for the sake of receiving. Things that are eternal, things that cannot be taken away, Things that one day when we're in the courts of heaven, we'll see clearly. Oh, may we see as clearly now as we shall one day see them. Amen and amen.